Hey, welcome to Yota Live. Uh, it's another uh, week here, and it's Holy Week, and we're excited. And today we've got a special day. Pastor uh, Nick Talbot's going to talk about Holy Week and just what it means. And So welcome back, and don't forget our uh, prayer vigil starts tomorrow on Tuesday at noon, and you can sign up for that and look on the KWU Student Development webpage for that. Also, there's life groups going on, but I want to turn it over to Pastor Nick just to share with us a little bit about just Holy Week, what it means to him and what it means in general, just so that we're uh, we're growing here together. All right. Uh, so I still remember, uh, you know, my elementary school days and. Uh, when people would talk about Holy Week. Uh, I remember going through middle school. I didn't understand what it was. Uh, I just knew that there was a time during the school year where uh, they didn't serve meat on Fridays. And uh, I didn't understand why. And, uh, you know, it was always a big mystery to me, um, especially growing up in, you know, in my later years in a Baptist tradition where um, Holy Week is celebrated but not at the way in the tradition that we as uh, United Methodists or mainline denominations uh, celebrate Holy Week. So coming into ministry, uh, Holy Week was a new experience for me uh, as I began with the churches that I would go on to serve. Um, Holy Week is a very important week in the life of the church. Uh, it is usually a very busy time, and, and I'm finding during this time of uh, isolation, uh, we're staying busy, uh, you know, trying to create content and stuff for people to uh, continue diving into their faith and faith journeys. Uh, so Holy Week technically started Sunday with Palm Sunday. Uh, one of my uh, favorite things about Palm Sunday is this vision of Jesus entering Jerusalem, coming down from the Mount of Olives, and he's, he's coming in uh, to Jerusalem. And you have people lining up on the street corners shouting Hosanna. Now, Hosanna we come to mean, it loosely translates into save us or rescue us. And so I, I imagine this scene of, of celebration that this new king was coming to set them free from the oppression they're experiencing. And I also imagine this scene of fear uh, where people were scared of the, of the consequences for cheering for something like this. So being associated, being guilty by association uh, for welcoming Jesus from the, the watchful eye of the Roman uh, guard or the watchful eye of the, the, uh, the Jewish elite. So I imagine this kind of mixture of fear and joy. And I found that yesterday while preaching the uh, Palm Sunday message was I, I approached it with this mixture of fear <laughs> Enjoy. Huh. Uh, you know, it's one thing to to scream scream out, uh, rescue us, save us from a place of anticipation, a place of joy, a place of of something coming on the horizon. It is another thing to scream out, save us, rescue us from a place of isolation and fear. And so, this Palm Sunday has been a little bit different this year, where I imagine that a lot of us are screaming out from the place of fear of save us, where are you God, save us, rescue us. So Palm Sunday has always been this idea for me that it is this time of either a celebratory time or a time of fear where we're um, once again reminded of the story to save us, rescue us, or we're actually living in the midst of that right. fear. And, and I think that's where we, we sit right now. Another thing that's always fascinated me about Palm Sunday is this chasm between a hero's welcome and capital punishment. 
So we go from this moment of a hero's welcome because laying down the palms in front of somebody was a way of honoring someone who came back from war. So it's the equivalent of us throwing down the red carpet from somebody okay. at an award show. So yeah. this idea of palms and, and leaves were, were this, um, you know, this reverence of the person who had arrived. And so we go from this place of reverence to capital punishment within a week. Mm. And, and I think this speaks to me as a, as a follower of Jesus, this, this wide range speaks to me a little bit about the, the duality of the Christian life. Where we can go, where we have these moments of of, of heroism, where we and we have these moments of despair, right? You know, and we're seeing this take place in the life of Jesus within seven days. So, uh, if it can happen to Jesus in seven days, right, it can happen to us too. So it, it is, it speaks of this pendulum that swings of as a life of a disciple of Jesus. So we go from there, Palm Sunday happens, and then we get to the kind of the next big event or big thing that we celebrate is this idea of Holy Thursday, or uh, some call it Maundy Thursday. Um, Holy Thursday is this um, event that takes place, and in, in the, in the gospel is recorded as um, a Passover meal. So Jesus invites his disciples to break bread with him to have this final meal. Like, I think Jesus is fully grasp what's about to happen and he's um, engaging in this last act of fellowship with his disciples this um, you know kind of the uh, the farewell party the this is the last time that we're going to be gathered right. here together let's make this special yeah um, and I've always viewed this as um, Jesus's moment of welcoming us to the table so during Holy Week, you know, we go from this place of fear of Hosanna, the screaming of fear or the screaming of celebration of Hosanna, and we go right into this idea of being gathered together. So we're going from this place of, you know, while we may be in a crowd mentality of screaming the rescue us, save us, um, we go from that individual panic or that individual celebration to this moment of community with Jesus. And I think that's, that's a transition as we go through the Holy Week, as we, we start in these places of petition that are very personal. As we enter into Monday Thursday, we're we're recognizing the communal right. okay. aspect of Christianity. Yeah. So we we go into this this idea that we're all invited to the table. That the table is this open space for all people. That it's not confined to a certain doctrine or theology, but this idea of a table being a wide uh, a big tent okay. uh, for all to enter under. And I, I come to this conclusion because of the host of characters that were at the table. Oh. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, Jesus invites, you know, his top ten list, and then, you know, you guys are, you're cut off, you know. Um, Jesus not only invites the disciples, but the entourages that follow the disciples. You know, we, we get the, we get this picture uh, from the painting of Jesus and the twelve. Right. Well, the reality is it was more, quite a bit more than that, because you had the entourage, you had the people who were funding the ministry, the people who were taking care of the, the disciples and, and everything like that, so. So this was a large meal. This I pictured this as like a noisy mess hall. Okay. You know, so we want to romanticize this and make this like you know a single table. <laughs> you know, but but I I I pictured the Golden Corral at rush hour. Like oh. it's just, I mean, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of action going on in this moment, and we see that Jesus invites, um, you know, a, a wide variety of characters to this table, and one being Judas. Right. Yeah, that Jesus, knowing that Judas. Uh, was going to betray him, knowing what the action that had already taken place, still reaches out and invites Judas to that table. 
So for me, the, the message of Holy Thursday is the hope that even in my Judas moments, mm. I'm still invited to the table. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, like, so even when I'm falling short, even when I'm a mess, I'm still invited to the table. And then with that table comes community. So even in the midst of my isolation of my Hosanna moments, right. I'm still invited into this group, this community of believers. And I find it very interesting that in this moment of isolation that we're in, right. you know, to experiencing Holy Thursday is a whole different game right now. Exactly. Right? So we're learning how to be in community while isolated. Um, and that is just something that... that my brain never thought I'd have to wrap around that idea of like how to create community in mo- and, and, and right. while we're separated. Well, <laughs> and I think we're having to get really more, a lot more creative with it too. Hey, I mean. I've been impressed with the church, and I would say church, big C church, so yeah. church in general. Okay. Now, outside of the few wackadoos that are still holding services because you know the snake handlers, you know, outside of that group, yeah. you know cooler heads have prevailed in the church where we're saying, you know, we have to rethink how we do things. Who would have ever thought it would take a pandemic to get the church out of 1950? Right. And it's happening. We're connecting with people in a way that we haven't done before. My prayer right now is, Lord, let us continue to do this when the restrictions are lifted. Wow. Because it's effective. Yeah. People's, we're seeing transformation. We're seeing disciples being made because we've taken this idea that Sunday is everything right and we said wait a second what happens when Sundays are removed for the way we've always known them true so now we're a Monday through Sunday game beforehand we're like the NFL just playing on Sundays yeah right now we're more like Major League Baseball where we got a game every night right you know so like I'm, I'm encouraged by that I think that is the thing that's going to take the church into that next phase of revival. Okay. You know, the, the, every 500 years of revival, we're right in that time frame from the Reformation. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm excited about what's coming from the church and how they're reacting to this. Um, but, you know, so we go from this place of isolation on Palm Sunday where we're screaming either in fear or celebration that Hosanna, save us, rescue us. And we're going into this place where even the marginalized are invited to the table. We're going to this place where even the ones who betray are invited to the table. We're going from a place of isolation to a place of family. So that to me, that is the, the, the big theme Right. Of, of Holy Thursday. And after that, we go to Good Friday. This was one I struggled with. Because why in the world would we call it Good Friday? Right. Right? You know, like, there's so many different names we can name it. You know, the, the pa- I mean, even the other one, like the passion narrative. Like, yeah. pa- like whew, I mean, it, I think we, we get so consumed with trying to, to put a pretty box and bow on faith in, in, the, right. in the story that sometimes we remove some of its... Um, it's shock value, right? Because we try to make it palatable. Yeah. It, we don't want the ugly side. Yeah, we don't, give me the Easter. Give me the give Easter, me Easter. Give me the Sunday school felt board cutouts yeah. of of <laughs> Noah's Ark two by two. Yeah, like that is not a children's story. Like, yeah, that's a story of Genesis. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so we do this. We we put these uh, Christian stories or these faith tradition stories in these little cute, cute boxes where we can market them and package them. Mm-hmm. Where Good Friday strips all that away. Yeah. You know, it, to me, this is the easiest sermon to preach of the year because I don't have to preach. The stories are written. Right. You know, it is. So you know. Uh, Friday we have our combined service that we're all doing together uh, as United Methodist Churches. Um, but I've done a reading, just a 
read the scripture dramatic reading that I've done with family members throughout the year that we're going to do at noon on uh, the page as well. Over Just, you know, for those who are either, you know, give, give them something to do that day. Yeah. But yeah, so this is the easiest one to preach of the year because it's just the story. The Good Friday is our is is our intentional time each year that we stop and we remember that we live in the tension of not knowing. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greatest uh, advantages that we have as Christians in 2020 is we know how the story ends. Right. You know, we're not, we're not living it in the moment as as those who lived that story. We we're living in that tension with the understanding of how it ends. Right. You know, and so this whole idea of Lent, this idea of 40 days in the wilderness, leads us to the spot where we we already know how the story ends, so it's okay. Right. Good Friday asks us to remove that comfort. It asks us, it requires of us that we say, we're going to say for the next uh, 72 hours, we're not going to know the end of the story. That we're going to leave the sanctuary or leave our place of worship or leave our tradition. And we're going to say for the next few hours, we're going to live in the tension of not knowing how this ends. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it is, it is, it is as intentional as, as, as fasting is as intentional as, you know, reading and praying each day is this intent of living in that uncomfortable tension. And, and, And Good Friday invites us into that. Because my hope is, is that the Holy Spirit works through the scriptures. Right. So each time we hear that story, we, it hits us in a different way. You know, I, I hear the Good Friday story way different as a father mm. than I did before I was a dad. You know, and before I was a dad, I would always hear that Good Friday story, and I would hear it through the perspective of Christ. As a father... I hear that through the perspective of God. Like, you know, it changes, yeah. it changes the character and the story I identify with. Then there's times in my life where I'm a mess. Yeah. And I hear that story through Judas. Or I, I hear that wow. story. So each time we hear the story on Good Friday, God is inviting us, the Spirit is inviting us to hear the story in a new and fresh way. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when the Scriptures, when we open ourselves up, to let the Holy Spirit work, that it's not null and void. Right. Like we can hear the story in a new and different way each time we hear it. And so Good Friday invites us to suspend reality. Yeah. It invites us for a 72-hour period to suspend the reality that we already know how the story ends. And so take, you take this in totality, then Easter means something completely different. I always said the the pivotal moment in my change as a follower of Jesus happened because I took uh, Lent seriously for the first time. Uh, I, again, growing up in a tradition where we didn't have, we didn't, I didn't know what Lent was, you know. So growing up in that tradition where, um, you know, some of these ancient practices weren't practiced, um, I remember going into Lent for the first time at Asbury United Methodist Church in Wichita, and they had this Ash Wednesday service. Right. And, you know, I didn't know it. All I know is, is it was the Catholics that walked around with the, with the X on their head afterwards, right? <laughs> okay, you know, yeah. not, not Christians, you yeah. know. But again, in my young, uh, newly <laughs> converted mind, I didn't understand the right. lot. And so I went to this Ash Wednesday service, and, and I, I, I remember them doing the imposition of ashes and, and asking me to fast from something. And so um, I have a pretty uh, significant diet Pepsi and coffee uh, dependency, yeah, you know, so that, uh, Lent, I did water only for my drinks, so I got rid of coffee, I got rid of Diet Pepsis, and I just did water, was my only liquid throughout that 40 days, and it was brutal, you know, just, (laughs) 
it was a hot mess, okay? But it was the first time that I had actually sacrificed something in an attempt to encounter the divine. Right. You know, like, well, I think that's lent at its basic element. Right. Of this idea of, of withholding something in order to connect with something divine. Right. And so I did that for the first time, and then I got to Easter, and it meant something completely different. So Holy Week is Lent smashed down into seven days. Right. Yeah. We smash it all together for this week of experiences that, for a lot of us who have participated in Lent, we've been, we've been crescendoing too. Right. You know, so you know, you add Lent, you add the experience of Holy Week, and you get to Easter Sunday morning, and it's a completely different experience. When, when, when you sing, uh, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow, yeah. has a completely different tenor when you've screened Hosanna out of fear. Right. You know, so like this whole idea of, of Easter being this special moment, not just another Sunday on the calendar, not just the Sunday you finally go back to church because Grandma makes you. Right. But Easter is this culmination of self-denial and attempt to connect with the divine. Easter Sunday means something completely different. <laughs> You sit at the feet of Christ in a different way that Sunday because you realize that, that you've put skin in the game. Right. That you have made a decision or you have had a response to this free gift of grace. Easter means something so much more. So how is Easter going to look this Sunday? We're going to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. My hope is that churches throughout the country and throughout the world celebrate the resurrection each and every Sunday. Yeah. But we're going to be intentional about celebrating the resurrection on Easter Sunday. But does our, does our Lent end there? Because it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because you know what's going to happen on Sunday after church is over? We're still going to be quarantined. We're still going to be isolated. We're still going to be separated from the table. Right. We're still going to have all these things that... Uh, will help us continue into that Lenten season. Mm. I'm telling you, I, I mentioned this, I saw it on Facebook. This is the Lentiest Lent I've ever Lented. Yeah. I mean, I, this is, this me is insanity. So, we're, we're going to celebrate the resurrection, but I'm, I'm challenging, one of the things I, I'm really passionate about is I'm challenging churches all over Salina, all over uh, Kansas, that whatever Sunday the band gets lifted and we get to come back together, we celebrate yeah. Easter. Yeah. And, we, and I'm talking the whole nine yards from full family, full, full everything, right? You know, full Easter egg hunt, sun up services, the whole nine yards. Because that is going to be the, the reality of as we come out of this space. Right. We're going to need to experience the Hosanna again. We're going to need to experience the gathering at the table. We're going to need to experience the, the beauty of the resurrection. Yeah, um, definitely. So, I mean, that's, that's holy, that's. Holy Week in a condensed, very condensed <laughs> no, version. Awesome. But um, I do. I think it's powerful. I, I think there's so much power in these ancient traditions. Now, do we have to do them exactly the way they've always been done? No. Is there a way that we can interject fresh understandings and fresh sight to these traditions? Absolutely. But you can't tell me, as a human being, you don't understand the word Hosanna. Yeah. That you've never been in a position in your life where you've screamed, "Rescue me." Or, you, or you, you can't understand the, the idea that Jesus says, this is my body broken for you, this is the cup shed for you, and you're alone in your, in your craving a place at the table. That's right. a basic human experience. Exactly, very much so. Yeah, and then the, the resurrection, you know, this idea of seeing something come to pass. Yeah. 
of seeing hope enter a room. That is another, that is a human condition that we are hardwired to look for moments of hope. And then maybe this Holy Week, in this midst of separation and isolation, this is just what we need. Right. Definitely. So. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, that was that was powerful. That was powerful. And so, um, I like Pastor here. I want to encourage you that matter um, where you are, find you know find a church doing Easter online and celebrate and and make your Easter eggs and do the hunt outside. Even if it's by yourself, I mean, you might fool yourself. I'll find eggs next year that I hit this year, and I'll have hit them. But. Um, just celebrate, because that's what this is about. Is oh. you know we live through Lent and we live through Holy Week, and then we celebrate, and you know we're, we are going to pull out of this. Absolutely, and we are going to pull out of this. So hey, we're glad you guys joined us today. We'll be back again next week. Um, Aaron Glendanning with FCA and some coaches are going to talk about faith and life and sports, even maybe a little bit. But uh, I encourage you just to come back and check out the podcast next podcast next week so you guys, for out. yeah so i'm gonna pray for you lord jesus in your mercy hear our prayers see those are words that have been spoken for many 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 years god you come to us you're showing us glimpses of grace and of hope and as this holy week uh, as we live through the tension of holy week of going from a hero's welcome to capital punishment remind us once more of your presence that you don't promise us ease, but you promise us presence. And as we get ready to celebrate your resurrection, be with us at all times, in all places, in all spaces. You are loved. You are valued. You are... You're good. God loves us, and God loves you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.